Hello and welcome to Cinema Chat. I am your humble host, David Heath. And Cinema Chat is the podcast where we talk about the movies and the people that made them. And today I'm going to break the normal form. And just talk a little bit about... Um, the last year in movies and maybe where movies are heading for in the near future and some of this is just gripes so just a warning if you're a bigger fan of films of today uh, then (laughs) then be prepared to shake your fist at me it'll actually be a pretty short uh, podcast this time uh, but I want to just go over uh, a few things and you know, kind of where is the uh, cinema heading? Where are we, where are we going? And maybe some news and notes of uh, things coming up. Uh, but you know, there was a lot made uh, a few months ago when Martin Scorsese had uh, rolled out The Irishman uh, just a little bit before he made some comments and about how superhero movies aren't really cinema. And then, you know, that they, he kind of insulted the Marvel movies. And, and you know, the thing is, is I'm, I'm caught somewhere close to the middle on this. I, I agree with Scorsese, I, I, but I think that a lot of people misconstrued what he said. And I, I, I may have mentioned some of this in a previous podcast some weeks ago, but, you know, I'll say it maybe in a different way this time. But, you know, there's a, something to be said for uh, plot development that occurred during the time uh, when Scorsese came on the scene in the 60s and 70s. There was no such thing as character development, plot development. And now we watch movies on the, on the big screen and it seems like so many are superhero movies and you know fantasy movies and you know high budget big budget uh, movies and you know we seem to lack the we have some small budget films too uh, but we seem to lack the moderate sized budget films and they seem to be making their way to straight to netflix you know i i'm going to sound like the get off my lawn guy but <clears throat> back in my day well no seriously uh the, you know when when i was uh, growing up i you know i'll give my age away um i was born in 71 um so i grew up in the 70s and 80s and i grew up in a time where there were so many movies and the majority of them uh were moderately budgeted movies and and now those some of those same movies, even made five, six, seven, eight years ago, um, aren't even making it to the big screen now. They're just going straight to Netflix. And, you know, when I was a young adult and a teenager, things went straight to video. I mean, that was uh, an insult. Um, and, and, and I'm here to concede the fact that there are some... Um, really good Netflix movies and and the movies made for Netflix uh, but what I won't 
concede is that maybe that they shouldn't be going straight to Netflix. They should be going to the big screen first. And I have a big gripe with the way, uh, and I'll, I'll go back, I'll rehash a little bit um, about my feelings on The Irishman. I hate the way The Irishman was handled, the, the rollout that is. And it's not Martin Scorsese's fault. Uh, and it's not entirely the fault of the movie theater chains, and it's not entirely the fault of Netflix. Um, but between um, the the Netflix and the movie chains, I mean, the the whole thing was just um, you know frazzled. It was just not right. Um, they allowed the Irishman to go on some on some big screens uh, throughout the country. Netflix mean meaning that when I say they, I mean Netflix. Um, but they would only allow for two weeks where they would put it on 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 for their own. And and you know what? If they paid for it, good for them. Maybe that's what they should do. Um, but what what they have a right to do and what they feel that they should do as a company um, isn't necessarily the right thing. Uh, what really should have been allowed is for the Irishman to be played across movie screens uh, uh, across America. And... There were a lot of cities I, I was able to see it in person, and I, I'm thankful for that. And, you know, there are a lot of people that uh, did not get an opportunity to see it. They're in smaller cities and maybe didn't have the opportunity. I didn't think I was going to have the opportunity. Uh, but, you know, I mean, AMC, Cinemark, I mean, shame on them. Shame on them for not allow, now allowing this film to be shown. But also shame on Netflix for not allowing those chains to have it for more than two weeks so you see the dilemma you know netflix wanted the irishman uh to only be limited release uh or, or limited in, in the sense of how much time they would allow it to be on the the big screen and the big and the and the movie chains were, were thinking you know what if we're going to be a part of this we want to have a part of it and so i can't blame either side but i do blame both sides <clears throat> ultimately I did get a chance to see it on the big screen of uh, the Irishman I mean and ultimately I saw the Irishman again uh, on on uh, Netflix uh, but it is annoying to me as a movie fan that I was uh, you know that I could have been blocked from seeing it and and I quite honestly I think most people would have had to drive at least a couple hundred miles to see it um, because it just wasn't showing um, in in in, a, in, a, in the smaller cities, and so that's a shame. And I do blame AMC and Cinemark, and and I do blame Netflix. And you know, I I don't um, I don't begrudge Netflix for trying to make good movies. That is that's for sure. Um, but I do uh, think overall, as an industry, um, think it it stinks that we are not allowed to see uh, films on the big screen. And and part of it is the movie going public. Part of it is people just aren't uh, going to the movies. And I get that. Um, you know, I it's seen in, in sports, too. Now that people have 52-inch screens um, that only cost a few hundred bucks, um, it's quite honestly a lot more comfortable to sit on uh, in your easy chair and watch the game with the really great cameras and you know it's a much better view on tv now than it was when i was a teenager i, I i'm uh, talking about 
you know, uh, sporting events, um, you know, and movies, certainly it, it's a better view now too. Um, having said that, there's nothing like seeing a film on the big screen. And so I hope that people will go to the movies and 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 see the, the, the films. You know, I, I cover every decade on this podcast. Every decade of film, that is. And and I do it because I want every I want all of the greats to have their exposure again and I, I don't want them to be forgotten. You know, I, I've talked about um, Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and Mary Pickford and I, I, I feel like that those are screen giants that shouldn't be forgotten and they shouldn't just be names that people have heard. Um, but in fact, um, there are films that, that are seen. Uh, I'm super excited about the fact that King Kong, the original King Kong from 1933, is going to be shown on the big screens and um, all across America on the 15th of, of March. And I, I'm really excited about that. And I hope people go out and see it. I love when these opportunities, when when the movie theaters roll out and agree to uh, put a classic movie on the big screen. It's great. I've seen uh, so many uh, classic movies on the big screen, and it's it's just fantastic. Um, you know, but now is a time for people to speak up and, and say, hey, you know what? Um, you know, we want the big screen to continue. We want it to be a thing. And back in the in the 20s and 30s i mean you know think about the movie annie from you know from 1981 uh where you know they're singing let's let's go to the movies you know and it was such a big deal you know it was a big deal we're going to the movies i'm going to the movies with daddy warbucks you know it was a huge deal to go to the movies back then you know and now um we have uh movies at our fingertips and i and i've i've told my kids both think i'm insane for saying this but I am um, horrified, but at the same time, I'm just as happy um, that movies are available at my fingertips. You know, I think of movies, uh, you know, again, I'll refer back to the, the silent films. You know, the, the, there are, everything before 1923 um, is available in the public domain now. Um, you know, nobody can hold any, any movies, the rights to the movies, anything prior to 1923. And... And, you know, so that means everything's on YouTube. All the silent films that aren't lost, are most of them are available on YouTube. And, you know, I'm partially horrified, but partially, um, you know, warmed, you know, heart, you know, heartwarmed by the fact that um, we can watch those movies. Um, you know, however, they weren't intended to be shown on YouTube. I guarantee you that um, D.W. Griffith wasn't filming... Um, uh, movies uh, th thinking well you know gosh it'll be really great in 110 years when people see this on YouTube I guarantee you didn't think that but at the same time hey if that's my only outlet then I'm happy for it I'm grateful for it I'm grateful for the fact that I can uh, watch uh, you know a Char Charlie Chaplin short um, uh, or uh, a Mary Pickford film on YouTube I'm grateful for that uh, I can see you know the all the great Buster Keaton shorts um, they might not be in great shape, but I, you know, I, I can still, I can still see them, you know, but now 
in the movies, uh, we have a diminishing returns of people going to the movie theater. And so what's happening is, is the, the movie theaters um, and the movie companies, uh, the movie studios, that is, are encouraged to make these high-budget films and what Martin Scorsese, you know, called theme park films. And he took a lot of flack. And, yeah, he, he, he maybe could have worded it a little differently. Um, but the guy was right. You know, we're only, we're only showing the, the, these theme park films on, on, on the big screens. You know, why? Because they're big money. Now, I know everything about Hollywood is ebb and flow. I, I recognize the fact, and, and if you think about it, in the 1950s and the 1960s, there were far too many musicals and westerns. And, and you know, some of them were really great. Um, you know, some would argue that they were, most of them were really great. But then there were a lot of them, and there, were, there was a glut. Um, but because of that glut, now you can't even watch, you know, now they don't even show musicals and or they don't even make musicals or, or, or westerns hardly anymore. All because of the glut back in the 50s and 60s because they made too many. You know, thanks Hollywood. Um, so now we get, we get um, remakes, reboots, sequels, and, you know, these high CGI films. Um, I had a, um, a little bit of a disagreement with uh, somebody... Um, uh, about uh, the Planet of the Apes films. And I covered the original Planet of the Apes films uh, uh, a couple years ago when I first started the podcast. And um, I talked in extensively about each of, the, each of those five films. And I do think that they're uh, su- superior to the newer ones that, that came out uh, yeah, recently in the last 10 years. And, you know, I think part of it is the fact that it's practical effects. And the, those, those people were, you know, dressed as apes. And now, but the, the recent ones, they show them uh, as just CGI apes. And, and that's annoying to me. You know, so, um, you know, it, it's insulting and it's annoying. Um, lazy direct, directors um, are, are doing this and getting away with it. And um, I, you know, I just, you know, this Harrison Ford film uh, coming out, and I love Harrison Ford. He is one of the best um, ever, and, and as far as leading men go. But um, he's in this movie called The Wild, and it's got a CGI dog. What in the world is that about? Um, what, what in the world is that about? Uh, why, why can't you have a real dog? I mean, come on. Now, to, you know, Martin Scorsese took a lot of flack for criticizing movies, um, the movie industry, uh, for encouraging so many um, of these theme park type movies. And and I'm not saying anything bad um, about any particular movie. I, um, I just think there's just too, you know, too many. And you know, I matter of fact, I, I plan to cover one of them um, in the in the future. Uh, watch for it this summer. But but you know, uh, this whole time I've done the podcast, I've done I've talked about a total of uh, or I've covered a total of one superhero, and that was the Superman series of the of the you know um, 
with Christopher Reeve, you know, from 1978 to 87. And so, you know, practical effects. Um, you know, you believed you could fly. I believe man could fly because Christopher Reeve looked like he was really flying. But, but it wasn't CGI. It was practical effects. And that's just better. That's my opinion. Um, but now there's a lot of young people that absolutely hate Martin Scorsese because of the comments. They're, you know, they're okay boomering him and and all this other stuff. And, and you know, in reality, they just feel threatened because, um, you know, somebody, um, you know, tarnished their, their uh, precious Marvel movies. And there's nothing wrong with the Marvel movies, uh, necessarily. Um, what I'm saying is that um, why don't we have more moderate moderately budgeted films and that that would be nice um you know i know one um one um company that that has uh, kind of gotten rolling uh with um, some small budget films but at least they have character development and at least they um you know are are ha have have plot development and that that's the a24 uh movies uh you know they uh, they've been flying under the radar now for uh, uh, close to a decade, um, but um, last year they, they came out really pretty strong toward the end of the year, uh, releasing um, The Lighthouse, um, and The Lighthouse uh, you know, was uh, this psychological thriller uh, with uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, uh, a great film. Just a really great film. Now, it, it's not going to be on the AFI Top 100, but it's a great film to watch. And I'm heartened by the fact that that had a modest budget, not not tiny budget, but a modest budget and of, of I think, $20 million and and did really well. Um, Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Um, that's another, another, another film that came out at the end of the year. And thought the movie was great. Uh, really good character of development. Showed Adam Sandler in a totally different way than we've ever seen him. And, you know, uh, a budget of less than $20 million. And, you know, Adam Sandler, you know, he, for all the flack that even I've given him uh, for making all these, you know, just bad Netflix movies. Uh, but now uh, he comes up with Uncut Gems. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody's going to like it. It's not everybody's cup of tea, um, but it's a darn good movie. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, movies last year, uh, you know, of course, of course the Irishman uh, had a very high budget. Um, so we can't count that in the modest budget. But, um, you know, Once Upon a, a Time in Hollywood, um, the, those those films give, give me hope. They came out in the second half of last year, and I really enjoyed them. Um, I know uh, Jennifer Lawrence is going to be in um, a few uh, movies uh, coming up later in the year, including uh, one that I'm particularly interested in called Mob Girl, where she plays a mother uh, in New York uh, that becomes a mafia informant. Uh, now, that sounds exciting to me, uh, but... Um, Uh, one one bit uh, one disappointing note is if you were looking forward to seeing the the new James Bond movie um, that um, and which by the way James Bond movies don't count as sequels um, you know they're just sim simply episodes 
um, they don't pick up from the last one. Um, so, um, you know, when I slam sequels, and I'm not saying all sequels are bad either, but when I slam sequels, I'm, I'm you know, James Bond movies don't count because they are episodic in nature. And they, they don't really uh, have a continual plot. But if you are planning on watching it, uh, then uh, you're going to have to wait till November uh, because of the coronavirus. Yeah, isn't that great? The coronavirus is, is delaying the release of the film, and that's unfortunate. Uh, well, some other news and notes uh, is uh, uh, some upcoming podcasts. Um, I... Uh, Wanted to uh, mention a few that I have coming up. Uh, I've got to uh, see the next podcast. We'll be covering um, my list of top ten leading men in history of films, and I used a uh, somewhat scientific formula to determine who I thought was uh, were the ten best leading men. And it was developed on a point system. It wasn't just completely um, subjective. Um, I used a point system. And so look for that to be coming out. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a week after you hear this one, that one will be available. The 10 uh, best leading men of all time. According to my scale, that is. Um, and I'm super excited to talk um, about... Uh, the the podcast after that that's going to come out um, I'll have a conversation with author Timothy Dean Leffler and he wrote a book about uh, Mabel Normand and uh, if you don't know who Mabel Normand is uh, take this time to look her up uh, she was um, pretty much the first real movie star and, and she uh, you know was uh, she had it all. She was able to be do drama. She was able to do comedy, and just ridiculously talented lady, and and a sweet lady by um, most accounts as well. Um, I'll, also, I mentioned King Kong. Um, I'm going to cover the King Kong. Um, all the King Kong movies are somewhat anyway. Um, the official King Kong movies I'm going to be covering, and. You know, I'll be talking about the 1933 version and then the 1976 version, uh, which takes a lot of flack, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, that that one had uh, Jeff Bridges, Charles Grodin, and Jessica Lange. And I'm also happy to announce uh, that I'll be, do, I'll be having an interview with uh, John O'Dowd, who wrote a book about uh, actress Barbara Payton. And, um, you know, that's another actress. Maybe you don't know who she is. Um, you know, take this time, uh, Google Barbara Payton. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, having my conversation with John O'Dowd. And uh, I'll also be doing a, a podcast about uh, uh, Di Disney in the 40s. Um, I did a Disney in the 30s um, a few months ago, and now I'm going to do, do Disney in the 40s. And we'll be talking about uh, the, all the movies that Disney 
rolled out in the 40s, including the infamous Song of the South movie. And that'll be fun. Um, and I'm also planning a Once Upon a Time in the West uh, podcast um, uh, starring the uh, beautiful uh, Claudia Cardinelli. And I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, that is all I've got for right now. And I hope that everybody um, keeps listening uh, to the podcast. Uh, we definitely have some terrific shows. Um, those ones that I just mentioned. And there's some more in the works. Uh, just don't have confirmations on them. But uh, this is Cinema Chat. And this is the podcast where we talk about the movies and the people that made them. I am David Heath. Such a way, uh, I think it's uh, not just an evolving of cinema, but it's a revolution. Uh, I mean, it's as even bigger than the revolution that sound brought to cinema. Uh, it's the revolution of cinema itself, back 120 years ago, 115 years ago. It's a new, and we say the new technology, we bring in the things that are unimaginable, and how not only um, is it... Um, is it um, uh, something extraordinarily good for narrative um, uh, uh, films, put it that way, narrative stories told with uh, uh, emphatic, emphasized motion, motion, uh, motion picture images, um, but it opens up a whole, the, 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 um, the original conception of what a film is and where it's to be seen has now changed so radically that we may have to say, okay, let's say uh, there's a certain kind of film that's made here. Uh, there might be obviously virtual reality films. There's holograms. There's all sorts of things that are going to be coming that we really know. So in effect, one thing we, one thing that will never, um, uh, uh, something that, that should always be protected as much as possible and I think will always be there is a communal experience and I think that's best in a theater. Now, homes are becoming theaters too <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's a major change um, and I think uh, one has to keep an open mind you know uh, uh, there's no doubt like um, uh, this uh, seeing a film with, the, with an audience is, is, is really really important um, you have to make the film and uh, we, went out of, we run out of room in a sense there was no room for us to make this picture and uh, for many different reasons I guess and ultimately there was a financial issue too in terms of the CGI that we did and the reason why we went for CGI is kind of complicated because at a certain point if I made the film earlier we may have could, they could have played younger and then at a certain point we missed that and then they said well use younger actors to play them younger and I said well that's, what's the point of that and I don't know, back and forth and finally CGI and we tried it and so oh, let's try let's see what experiment open it up I mean CGI and that to that extent is really an evolution of makeup Really, you know, you accept certain norms and makeup. You know that that's, he's not that old if she's not that young, but uh, you accept that as a norm. 